Well, markets are still excited about the prospect of inflation cooling, equities pushing higher again in the US, even as retail sales seem to have come in a little softer than expected. So can we add Canada to the list of places where inflation is coming down? And what about New Zealand and the UK? Well, we don't have too long to wait for those. They both report their CPI numbers today, so fingers crossed there's some positive news there. Then we really can start to believe that the battle is almost won, but maybe that's a big ask in the UK's case. It's Wednesday, the 19th of July, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Yes, more enthusiasm in U.S. equities overnight. The Nasdaq closing up 0.8%, the Dow up 1.1%, 0.7% for the S&P, and some big winners, Morgan Stanley, up 6%. Uh, Microsoft shares are up 5.4% because... Uh, part of it is the increasing expectation that that takeover of Activision Blizzard is going to go ahead. But also they release pricing details for Copilot, which is its AI product that is integrated into its office suite. So for $30 per user per month in the United States, uh, you'll be able to get AI to help you with the office products. That seems quite pricey, but, you know, if they can get away with it, good luck to them. Equities up in Europe as well, 0.6% for the FTSE 100, about 0.4% for the DAX and the CAC Courant. A very different picture in China with the CSI 300 down 0.3% yesterday. The Hang Seng uh, down 2%. The US dollar has ticked up a little today. The Aussie marginally down. The pound down a quarter of 1%. And the biggest of the majors uh, on, on a quiet session for currencies, really, with the pound there. Quiet for treasuries, too. Ten years uh, down. Ten-year treasuries down a few basis points to 3.78%. Yields falling further in Europe down about 10 basis points for 10 years in Germany, the UK and France, more in Southern Europe. Uh, in oil, Brent is up 1.5%, almost $80 a barrel, WTI about 2% up. And gold is up about 1.1% as well. Wheat futures up 2.4%, so that presumably is a, a response to the, the news about uh, the, the blockade of, uh, of exports coming out of Ukraine. JB Weir's Sally Old joins me today in Sydney. Uh, just quickly on uh, on equities, Sally. Interesting, isn't it, how much the market is responding to AI? We haven't talked very much about it on the podcast, but it is attracting a lot of money, isn't it? Let's just hope it's not the latest version of the dot-com bomb. Let's hope it actually delivers this time. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, that's been, I guess, one of the the very clear thematics of equity markets this year, which is just the outperformance of tech stocks, but also, you know, more particularly those those stocks that are particularly seen by investors to be highly leveraged to the AI uh, story mm. um, and, and and Microsoft's got a product out there now which we can actually consume and you know pay for so uh, let's see how that goes but uh, look let's talk about inflation because that's obviously the big story mm-hmm. uh, cooling uh, we need to look no further than Canada for the latest example so core inflation in June was actually deflation like a minus number minus 0.1% price growth month on month I'm not sure when we last saw a number like that price is actually coming down so that is pretty encouraging. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, you know, the the headline numbers, um, you know, came in softer than the market thought. So, the annual run rate of headline inflation has dropped from 3.4 down to 2.8. So, that was encouraging. Um, but, you know, having it, you know, I think inflation, you know, you can cut these numbers lots of different ways. And so, you mentioned that, you know, we got a, a negative number for one version of core inflation. The other two versions um, that, that the Bank of Canada really focus on, they averaged them out, you know, didn't really move that much. Um, they went from 3.8 down to, to 3.7. And so sort of suggests that, you know, there is this underlying stickiness in some of the core measures. And when you actually look at core goods and core services inflation in Canada and look at the three-month annualised rates, they have actually ticked up in the last couple of months. So 
I think, you know, most people are thinking this is consistent with at some point another a rate hike from the, the Bank of Canada, um, maybe at the beginning of the fourth quarter, and that would take their their policy rate to five and a quarter, which most people think is probably um, enough for the Bank of Canada. But yes, I think on on net, you know, the market will take those numbers as yet more evidence that, you know, the, the disinflationary story is is in train. And as we've seen from the price action over you know, the last week or so since we had the US inflation numbers, that's been a pretty supportive environment, not just for bonds, but for equities as well as people start to attribute a higher probability to the soft landing narrative. Yeah, well, let's hope that happens. I mean, but, but just finishing on Canada, I mean, producer price is also falling. So presumably that's going to get passed through. So that's got to be a good sign as well, hasn't it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, they tend to reflect, um, you know, in, in large part energy prices. And so when we look at what's driving some of this disinflation, energy is playing a really big role um, in, in all of this. So not surprising that producer prices are, are coming lower. And then the question really is, you know, does that get passed on to end consumers or does it does it um, turn up as margin expansion? Um, you know, maybe as as people think that they can they can take the lower input prices and and maybe not pass all of that on uh, to end consumers. So what about the soft landing then for the US? Are they going to get away with it? So we know that inflation is coming down. Let's hope it stays down and it doesn't tick up again. But the retail sales numbers that we, we got yesterday or overnight actually softer than expected. So 0.2% growth on uh, growth month on month in June. Uh, less than one and a half percent year on year, but still, you know, it is increasing. I guess people are still shopping, especially clothes shopping. Apparently, that's the one thing that's uh, that's managing to to show some. Yeah, growth. And I th- so the headline number was, you know, a, a, bit, a bit weaker, I think, than expected, um, because you know a number of the big banks that you know have their own credit cards. When they look at that internal data, that was sort of telling them that actually the consumer was doing okay in June. So that's why I think the the sort of consensus expectation was a little bit higher, but. Um, the core number or the control group, which is sort of the important one, that was actually up six-tenths of a percent in the month of June. So that was pretty decent. So I think on net, you'd probably call the retail numbers mixed. Um, but I think most people are saying, you know, that leaves us in June with real consumer spending. So once we adjust for the impact of prices of goods and services, up about sort of 0.2 to 0.3 of a percent in the month. And um, you know, some of the the forecasters are saying, you know, if that's true, then maybe that just actually sort of highlight some upside risk to second quarter GDP. So again, it's a sense that, you know, everyone had thought that the US economy would be slowing, you know, quite a lot at this point in the cycle. Um, and yet, you know, forecasters are still having to get out the the red pen and and possibly mark up GDP forecasts. So, you know, this is sort of the Goldilocks scenario where the inflation numbers are coming in better than expected, the growth numbers are also coming in better than expected. Um, and as we talked about earlier, that's a pretty supportive environment for both equities and bond markets, at least in the near term. Right. But we've got retail inventories are rising. So that's interesting, isn't it? As though the retail stores were actually expecting to do better than they did, ordered more stock in. So that could bring prices down a bit faster, perhaps, if they have to you know, shift that product. Yeah. So that's one way of looking at it. Um, and the other way of looking at it is that if, ret- <laughs> if inventories are going up, that, that means that you know maybe firms have overestimated how strong consumer demand is. So I think we'll put yeah. that one to the side and say the jury's out on, on 
what that might mean for the US economy going forward. Well, yeah, it means they've got it, exactly. It means they've got enthusiasm, mm. but the enthusiasm mm. was uh, was too much. So, uh, you know, does that mean that you know the expectations uh, for for their future earnings might be a little bit on the upside as well? So, yeah, it's, we swing these things in any direction, can't you? Uh, but also, let me have another go at then at weakness because industrial production. Come on, they were weaker. Actually, they were uh, weaker. Falling. Yeah, <laughs> so, so down half a percent in June, which was you know the consensus was for a flat outcome. So that was a pretty decent miss but i guess it just in in a sense reflects sort of what we already know which is that the manufacturing sector in the u.s you know when we look at manufacturing pmis or some of those regional business surveys like they all look pretty soft um and so you know this is one of the unusual things about the the sort of cycle at the moment that you've got this very stark divergence between what's happening in sort of the industrial manufacturing complex and what's happening in services um, and so I think to a certain extent, the IP numbers overnight, you know, really just, I guess, underscore that divergence between those two sectors of the economy. Right. Well, look, the, the, I guess the real number about how well the economy is going is the GDP numbers, which we get on the 27th. So we can hang out for those. Uh, the biggest move down in yields has been in Europe, hasn't it? Which comes after dovish comments from the ECB's Klaus Knott who is normally fairly hawkish, uh, but he said a few things today, like core inflation, he reckons, is plateaued. He sort of raised the point that more hikes, I mean, he's expecting to, you know, there will be a hike in July, but, you know, more hikes could add too much risk. Uh, So, yeah, so, you know, and the future risk, uh, the future hikes are possible, but not certain, he said. So here we are. The tide seems to have turned there as well, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, I guess he's, he is one voice on, on the ECB. But as he said, he's known to be more of the hawkish disposition. So the fact that he's he's sort of saying, look, you know, we, we need to probably go in July. But after that, you know, who really knows? And I think what this reflects is, you know, maybe the ECB is getting closer to a point where they become far more data dependent. And so as a central bank, you've sort of got to weigh up, you know, those two risks of not doing enough to bring inflation back to target over a reasonable time frame versus actually over tightening and, and forcing the economy into, into a recession. And so these are the this is the part of the cycle where it gets really hard for central banks. And we saw that in the RBA minutes yesterday where they, they've sort of said, look, you know, policy is clearly restrictive. The choice was between pausing in July or going by 25, um, and it's a similar sort of thing. You know, they know that they're close-ish to the end, um, and so it means that, you know, if you're going to hike rates again, you've got to be pretty convinced that there's a compelling reason to do it, and for the RBA, it just wasn't there in July, and so they were saying, look, we're going to wait for that inflation number that we get next week. We're going to wait for the new staff forecast that will get recast um, with that new inflation information and then come the August board meeting, we can we can make a decision, you know, with a, a sort of fresh set of forecasts and a new piece of critical information um, in hand. And I think, you know, a lot of central banks are, are, are getting basically to that point where they've done a lot. Um, they know there's a lot of tightening in the system. And so if you want to sort of start or to continue to raise rates from here, then you've got to have, you know, a pretty good justification to do it. Right. But how much of that has been driven by the US CPI? How much of that rhetoric? I mean, would Klaus not have said those things if we hadn't seen US CPI doing what it did and, and you know, that there is possibly an end in sight? Yeah. I mean, I guess you know, there is a sense that, you know, perhaps the US is, is sort of leading a lot of countries in, in terms of, you know, the, the inflation story. I mean, I think most central bankers would probably hesitate to read too much into one month's number. Um it's a good, it's a good, it's a good signal, but you know, I'm not sure that you'd, you'd sort of want to change your whole approach, uh, you know, particularly in Europe to to monetary policy, just on the back of that. But 
yeah, it's a, it's another piece of information that sort of builds the case for the sense that you know maybe the worst is genuinely behind us on inflation. Yeah, don't get too carried away. In other mm. words, try telling that to equity investors. So, <laughs> Indeed. Uh, look, uh, quite a fall in the Kiwi dollar, down three quarters of 1%. Not sure why, unless there's concern about the CPI numbers, which are out today, which are expected to ease. But, you know, still 1% Q on Q, aren't they? That's the expectation. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, economists are looking for headline inflation to, to sort of print at 5.9% in, in annual terms. And that'd be a big drop you know, in the prior quarter. That series was running at 67 and I guess the the sense in New Zealand is that the RBNZ, you know, were one of the earliest banks to to start tightening. Um, they've done a lot in a short space of time um, and seem to be increasingly confident that that tightening will be enough to bring inflation back to target. So I think for the New Zealand market, the the story is really just one that as long as we're seeing sequential improvement um, in inflation, then that's consistent with. You know, I think that the broad narrative that the RBNZ is done and, and again, that there's enough tightening in the system to be confident that inflation's on on the right trajectory. And so, you know, what it really means is that the RBNZ can just sort of sit and wait. And it's really a question of, you know, do the actual data over the next couple of quarters play out consistently or in line with the RBNZ's forecast? And, and if they do, you know, I think that'll give the market, um, you know, genuine confidence that, the, the rate hikes are well and truly behind us. But are they way behind uh, the Bank of England? We get the UK inflation number. Uh, you know, it was stuck at uh, 7.1% year on year, mm. way too high, obviously. Is it going to stay there? I think there's an expectation that it might, isn't there? And so what does that mean for the Bank of England? That's right. Are they going to go 50 mm, yeah, basis so points, that, for example? Yeah, this will be really interesting, this one, because you know UK inflation has basically been the problem child of inflation everywhere in the sense that you know it's been the one that's bucked the trend when everyone else was starting to see signs of disinflation. Um, you know, we got the opposite in in the UK. And so, you know, going into tonight's number, economists are looking for a similar dynamic, you know, that that headline number to come lower from 8.7 down to 8.2, and they're still pretty big numbers. Um, but for core to be unchanged, just a little bit above 7%. And so I think this will be really interesting because if UK inflation surprises on the downside, then, you know, maybe we start to... to re- yeah, yeah, hope for to mankind, really pin- uh, basically, isn't it? And so, <laughs> um, but we are seeing UK yields coming down as though perhaps there is an expectation that that will be the case. Yeah, I mean, maybe, you know, the market's perhaps getting a little bit ahead of itself and sort of saying, oh, look, you know, we'll... US inflation and Canadian inflation and, you know, today we'll have New Zealand inflation. If they've all sort of come in a bit better than expected, then, you know, maybe there's a some glimmer of hope that the same dynamic can prevail in, in the UK. And so maybe that's what traders are, are positioning for. But as we said, you know, at the outset, the UK has been its own special case, um, you know, when it's come to the inflation dynamic. So, you know, my sense would be not to get sort of too hopeful that we're going to see um, mm. a large downside surprise there. So, uh, well, did we, what else? We were Bank of Japan, haven't we, coming up later on this week. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Also, uh, their revision on their inflation forecasts and uh, what does that mean? Because the expectation is that they are just going to uh, sit where they are in policy terms, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. And the Bank of Japan governor you know, made some comments overnight at the G20 finance ministers and central bank governors meeting that sort of suggested exactly that, which is that, They've got a strategy um, and that strategy sort of suggests that not much is going to change um, in the very near term. So they are approaching this whole dynamic, like even though the data is sort of screaming at them saying, you know, inflation has genuinely lifted, wages growth is lifting in Japan, you know, the economy is doing well. 
um, but they are they are taking, I guess, a, quite a cautious and quite a patient um, approach because I guess the experience in Japan over the last couple of decades is that if you jump on this stuff too early, um, you know, you you sort of risk um, ruining the, the the good news. And so I think um, you know, as as we were talking about, the outcome is likely that not much changes. Um, from the Bank of Japan, except perhaps the the forecast for where inflation is expected to settle over the next couple of years. Well, any sort of inflation is novelty value, isn't it? <laughs> for the Bank of Japan, perhaps. <laughs> Indeed. By the time they discover, okay, well, that was too much. Uh, look, not much else, is there? A bit of uh, housing data from the US tonight, uh, including building permits mm-hmm. and housing starts. So it'll be interesting to see how that's uh, getting impacted if they are seeing a slowdown. But otherwise, that's about it today, isn't it? So we've got a fairly quiet night ahead of us. A quiet night, but I think those UK inflation numbers are going to be, you know, of, of considerable focus so let's wait and see where they land all right very good to talk to you again sally catch you again next time thank you thank you phil can't help wondering can you how much of that uh, persistent inflation in the uk is all down to brexit there we are i've said it uh, that's it for today i'm phil dobby for now back again tomorrow see you then